This is the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. Today's message is from the Book of Acts sermon series. In this series, we're diving deeper into how God has invited us into His mission, how the Holy Spirit was present at the beginning of the church and is active now, and how the local church is God's primary method to change the world. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message encourages you. Good morning. Hey, if you're with us live or you're online, either way, we're so glad that you are with us. Uh, The big news of the week, Queen died. And uh, last service, uh, some junior high boy clapped, and uh, we've asked him to begin to attend Hope Community. And so uh, (laughs) I, uh, and I don't know about you, but uh, be honest with me here. There were moments watching the coverage where I felt the feelings almost like my own grandma had died. Anyone else feel feelings about the Queen's uh, seven people with souls? That's good. There were more in the first service. Uh, Offset by the obnoxious young boy, it's a mixed bag. And so, uh, and I thought to myself, why does this seem like such a big thing where it's been the only thing on the news all week? And I think part of it is, is for for most of us, if not all of us, uh, I mean, she's, she's been like the, the most enduring, consistent, stable kind of world figure for, for most of, if not all of, of most of our lives, this idea of this kind of steady presence that, w- w- that was there when so many things changed. But I, I think there's even more to it. I believe a big part of the reason that so much of the world stopped and even countries that revolted against the British Empire, like our own included, lowered the flags to half staff, such a big deal. I believe so much of it is because of her stated mission of her life. Check out this video. Her life's mission, she said, my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to service. My whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. And then she says, I can only do this with God's help. And you can't help but wonder if 21-year-old Queen Elizabeth knew how long her life was going to be, that she'd still be doing that job at 96 years old. But I, I believe that it's such a big part of why so many people are making this such a big thing is she really was this kind of model of devoting oneself their whole entire life for the sake of service. And weeks ago, before we knew that, that Queen Elizabeth would pass this last week, our, our message for today was titled, Devoted to Service. We're wrapping up this series today. So if you have your Bibles, go over to Acts chapter two. Each week in this devoted series, we've been taking a little snapshot look at this early church just a few, just a short period of time after Jesus dies on the cross, rises from the dead, ascends to heaven, and then the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost comes in power and people are literally begging to give their lives to Christ. What must we do to be saved? Peter said, repent, change of mind, change of heart, change of direction, and let each one of you be baptized. And it said 3,000 people got baptized that day. And then we see what this very first church was all about, Acts 2.42. They, these first Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, 
Uh, it's speaking both of just eating regular meals and also taking communion or the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, this incredible unity and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions. They were devoted to generosity to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. There was this incredible joy. They were devoted to joy and praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And, and so I wanna talk to you today about this early church and what does it look like to, for us to live our lives devoted to service? Now, of all of the themes in our devoted series, the one you have to sort of look for or with a little greater clarity um, in this Acts 2.42 passage is this idea of being devoted to service. But I wanna show you a few reasons why I believe that this is still very much part of the, uh, of the ethos of this first church. Here's one way we know. It says they broke bread in their homes, that they were getting together in large groups and in small groups on an everyday basis, sometimes groups like this, sometimes groups in homes. And I want you to know that one of the greatest ways that you can serve people is by inviting them into your home. Whether it's just another individual or another family inviting to your home or doing what so many people at Life Church do, which is host groups that meet on a weekly basis, life groups, and that that is an incredible act of service. If you've ever, I don't know about you, but some of half a dozen of probably my least Christian moments in the last 15 years, all were right before a bunch of people were going to come to our house. You ever had that experience about years ago when the girls were still small and we only had three kids? We were hosting this life group at our house and we were doing this special series with the staff. We'd written this like little devotional book for everyone to go through every day and we're doing the groups and, and man, it was so intense getting ready for uh, getting everything picked up, all the girls' toys, and all the things, getting dinner ready, that like in that moment, about 15 minutes before everyone's showing up at my house, I take that little devotional book and I just throw it as hard as I can. For a minute, I thought I tore my rotator cuff. And it's like, man, there is an act of service and having people in your home. And so we know that they were serving each other that way. And we know that they were generous with their money. It's, it's crystal clear. It says they were selling possessions and goods so that nobody was in need. And, and here's the thing about generosity. It's a, two, it's a two-sided coin. On the one side of generosity is where we're generous with, with our money and our possessions but the other side of that coin in generosity is where we're generous with our time and abilities. And these two things oftentimes travel together. But the other way we know that they were devoted to service is the fact that they were enjoying the favor of all of the people. That they were so serving one another, caring for one another, serving people that were not yet followers of Jesus and caring for them, that people all around got curious. So they were enjoying the favor of all the people and then every single day more people were beginning to follow Jesus. And this is because they were living the life of Jesus and how they loved and served and cared for one another. I wanna share with you today four things that happen when we serve. Here's the first thing. When I serve, I am practicing the way of Jesus. 
At Life Church, we fundamentally believe that there's a, a few mo- things in our life that give us the greatest chance to, resem- to resemble Jesus. I, I believe I, that we are most like Jesus when we give, when we forgive, and when we serve. Really, each one is an act of generosity. When I'm generous with my money, and I'm generous with my time, and I'm generous with grace. In each of those occasions, we become most like Jesus because the very essence of Jesus is, is, he, is that he's a giver. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. The very essence of Jesus is, is he came to bring grace and forgiveness that he who knew no sin became sin, that, that we might become the righteousness of God and he came to serve. Jesus said, the son of man didn't come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, the way we, we think about people that matter and the way we think about important people and we, the way we think about rich people, the way we think about presidents, kings, and queens is that we think these are people that have lots of servants. These are people that have people that do all the, the, these things for them. And Jesus said, no, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life away. And, and so when I serve, I'm practicing the way of Jesus. The apostle Paul in Philippians chapter two talked about it this way. He said, in your relationships with one another, the same mind as Jesus did, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, ultimately becoming obedient to death on a cross. And so when, when I serve, I, I am practicing the way of Jesus. Here's the second thing. When I serve, I'm continuing a 2,000-year legacy. I think it's important for us to remember that that. Christianity didn't begin when you gave your life to Jesus. And Christianity didn't begin when Life Church was started 16 years ago. And it didn't begin when the Mayflower hit America. That we are a part of this 2,000 year legacy. And that what 2,000 years of Christian history shows us is that when the church is right, and when the church is healthy, that the, the, the way we see that it is living the, the life that Jesus has called us to live, one of the ways is it begins to be incredibly marked by service and acts of compassion. We see it here in Acts chapter six. So we see from the very beginning of the church, they're taking care of the poor. That's at the very beginning and they're serving one another, having each other into their homes. They're taking care of one another. And then Acts chapter six, it talks about, hey, the church was really growing. And then there began to be some division. It says the, as the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews, Jews that, that uh, they were Jewish. See, the early church, at the beginning, they were all Jews. And at this moment, they were still all Jews. But how many of you know that even if you're 90% just like somebody, if you want to, you can focus on the 10% and begin to divide. And this early church, that, that they were all Jews, but some of them were Jews that had grown up in the nation of, of, of Israel. And some were Jews who had grown up as a part of this diaspora where they were spread around the, the Roman Empire and the known world, but they'd come in for the day of Pentecost they'd given their lives to Christ, they'd stayed there. And so even though they were mostly the same, there began to be some division between because of the Jews that were born and, and grew up in Israel and those that didn't. It says the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows 
were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So here's what we see. When the church is just a few months old, they've already systematized serving one another. And so the church is a few months old, and, and so what they're doing is they know, hey, there's people in need, we need to take care of them, so we're gonna have a time where everybody that, that's in need can come, and everybody that has some food is gonna give it, and, and we're gonna serve one another through meeting these needs. But it had grown so big that there was more, let's keep reading, They're being overlooked. So the 12 gathered all the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. He says, let's let's get some more people to help us is the big picture. And so what had happened is there was so much to be done. They said, we need some other people to step up and serve or or we as the the leaders, we're gonna spend all of our time distributing food and not gonna have any time to pray for people and tell them about Jesus. We need some people to step up in service. And so then what we, what we see at the end of that passage in verse seven, it says, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So here's what we see. Through the, through the example of Jesus, through the model of the early church, through all of the writings in the New Testament, we see this emphasis on, on Christians serving God, loving God by serving one another serving their church family, serving the lost, serving the needy and the hurting, and and serving their community. That this was the natural expression, the supernaturally natural expression of them serving God was serving one another. And we see this in the early church. We see this through all the, the epistles in the New Testament, writing to these churches and talking about serving one another. And we see this for the last 2,000 years, that when the church is healthy, The church is serving and making a difference. You see, about 100 years after the book of Acts was written, this great plague broke out in 165 during the reign of Marcus Aurelius. There's this plague that goes across the whole Roman Empire. So here's what was happening. Anybody that could leave the big cities and was wealthy enough, left. Whenever anybody had sick family members, They just placed them outside the house to die out of an act of self-preservation. But what happened is the Christians ran in to serve. And so we see this letter from Bishop Dionysius of Alexandria. He says this. He says, most of our brothers showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. And with them departed this life severely happy, for they were inflicted by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors, get this, and cheerfully accepting their pains. Many in nursing and curing others transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead. And so where everyone else was just in self-preservation mode, the church was in serving others mode. And, and it's one of the things historians believe well, it was, a, was a, a great supercharger to the growth of the church in that time. And then what we see, this sort of thing was still happening 200 years later, this idea of Christians serving God by serving one another, ser- serving the law, serving the community. We, in 362, 
There was this Emperor Julian who was vehemently opposed to the growth of Christianity. And, and so he began talking about this. He writes this letter to, to this pagan priest in Galatia. He says this. He urged that these pagans, these believers, these other gods, that they needed to, quote, equal the virtues of the Christians. For recent Christian growth was caused by their, quote, moral character, even if pretended, and by their, quote, benevolence towards strangers and care for the grave of the dead. He also wrote, the, these, these Christians, they, 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 they support not only their poor, but ours as well. So what we see is this, for, we, we are a part, whenever we serve God by serving others, we're, we're living out this 2,000-year legacy. When we continue to the Middle Ages, we think of monasteries as a place where monks just would go to just pray all day, and there's for sure a piece of that, but it became so much more. They became places that provided employment for those that, that needed work. They were kind of the beginning of what we would think of as a homeless shelter. It was, they, they called them alms houses. They were a place where people that had nowhere to stay could begin to stay. They were the beginning of what we would know as hospices. When people were, were nearing the end of life, they would take care of them up until the point of their death. And they, were, and they began to be what we would think of as a modern hospital. See, one of the, the clearest co com commitments, there's pictures of the commitment of, of the church when healthy to serve and care is the invention of the hospital. This is a Christian invention. Greek and Roman religion did not, did not talk about any sort of duty towards the sick. Even atheists will tell you what will refer to human rights as a Christian myth. Because we invented the idea that, that, that because God says that, that, that we're, every person's created in the image of God, that their life has worth, whether rich or poor, sick or healthy, old or young, it's, that it's because of the image of God. And so this led to, to the creating of hospitals. Did you know this? That the Catholic Church manages 26% of the world's healthcare facilities. Once you add in other denominations like Anglican and Baptist and Presbyterian and Methodist hospitals all around the world, you're looking at about a third of the hospitals around the world uh, are, are religiously affiliated or founded and still connected to a Christian group. And it's even more so what you'll find in the developing, where the majority, over 65% of these hospitals of, of religious nature are found in poor and developing places. And in many of these places, they're the absolute only health care available. But even in our country, nearly a quarter of all hospital beds in America are, are a part of hospitals founded by Christians and, and still keeping a connection to their Christian faith. It's been said that really almost all of what we consider model so, uh, a modern social welfare came out of this Christian instinct that says, I'm going to serve God by serving those made in his image. We're gonna serve one another in God's family. We're gonna serve the, the church corporately, but we're also gonna serve people that don't yet know Jesus. We're gonna serve the hurting and the broken and the poor. Here's the third. When I serve, I'm fulfilling God's plan and purpose for me. 
The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, 8, the verse we love, it's got by God's grace we're saved through faith. It's a gift. We didn't earn it. But then in verse 10, it says, for you are God's workmanship or you are God's masterpiece. It's a little Greek word, poema, where we get our word poem, like a, like a literary masterpiece. For you are God's worksman's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, but created in Christ Jesus for a purpose, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do, for you to do. And so it's a part, when I serve, what I'm doing is I'm living out God's purpose for my life, my destiny, that there are, are literally things that God has set aside for me to do and for you to do before we were ever born, that these good deeds which he's prepared for us to do. And then it's, it's, it's part of why we're saved. You're not just saved so that you can have a relationship with God and, 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 and live forever. You're not just saved for these purposes. Let me show you, Titus 2, 14. Talking about Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem. The idea of being, we've been purchased and set free. We've been set free from sin and guilt and shame and regret and fear and uncertainty of what happens after this life. He says, for he gave himself to us to redeem, to purchase and set free us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, but to do what? Eager to do what is good. So when I serve, I'm fulfilling God's purpose for my life. Here's the thing. Serving is both everyday and organic, as well as focused and intentional. Here's the thing. Any moment you're awake is an opportunity to serve. Anytime you're around your family is an opportunity to serve. Anytime you're with a friend or a coworker, serving is really any time that I take the focus of myself and making life all about myself and say, how can I be a benefit to others? How can I help and serve others? And so this is both something that we can do just kind of all day, every day. We can just do this anytime we're just awake. It's organic. And it's one of the places we love to see it happen is in our life groups. Uh, so many, by the way, life groups are kicking off this week. If you've not yet signed up for a fall life group, you can still do that at the life group table outside or at the web church website or the church center app. Uh, but it's in these groups that we believe this is where we really learn to love one another. And a big part of this is where we learn, and part of loving one another is learning to serve one another. And so it's so great, like when you're in a group, what'll happen is, as I've been a part of groups where just a group text will go out and someone will say, hey, we've got this thing tonight and our babysitter just bailed. Is there anyone that can take our, our kids for a few hours? And then three minutes later, someone will text and say, hey, I can be over there in 30 minutes. It's these, it's these groups where we learn to love one another, grow together, but, we, but we're learning to love. And part of that is learning to serve one another. So it's organic and it's every day. But service is also, also should be focused and intentional. Here's the truth. Anything you prioritize, you need to find ways in which you systematize it. If something really matters for you to you, make a plan to do it. And, and so, so focused is both organic and, and relational, but it's also focused and intentional. And, and I want to share with you a few things to think about. As you think about where should I, where should I make my, my, my role of focused, intentional service? I'm a believer that all of us should, should have a, a focused thing where it says, hey, this thing matters, and I'm going to set aside this time at this regularity to, to serve in this way. 
I wanna give you some things to think through as, as you make those choices. Here's the first question, thing to think about. Ask God to give you his heart. A great prayer just to regularly pray is God help me to care more about the things you care more about. And God help me to care less about the things you care less about. And listen, God loves everybody and God wants everybody to come into right relationship with him. But I do believe the Bible teaches that there are groups of people that have a special place in God's heart. And so the first is, is people that are far from God, lost people. The thing that, that, that Jesus in Luke 15, he's hanging out with these irreligious people that were known to do all the bad things. And then all the religious people are like, well, why are you spending time with them? And then Jesus makes it clear that he said, I didn't come for the well, I came for the sick. And then he tells these three stories about a, a, a man that, that loses one sheep and then a, a woman that loses one coin and a father that loses one son. And he, each of these stories are just to illustrate how much God really loves it when people that are far from him come into right relationship with him and, and so God has this special place in his heart for the lost. That, that's why at Life Church, when people get baptized, we celebrate. Because in those three stories, Jesus said that, that all of heaven celebrates whenever someone comes into right relationship with God. We actually have a baptism next Sunday. If you've never been baptized, you can sign up on the website or the church center app. Um, we, uh, but really what it is, is baptisms where we go public in the difference that Jesus has made in our lives. We have a class right after this service in the kids building for, for parents and elementary age children who wanna learn more about baptism. And, but listen, a few months ago, we had the coolest baptism that I can remember. If you guys that were here, you'll, you'll, it'll, this will connect to you. But those of you that, that weren't here, I hope it translates on video. But we had this 80-year-old guy named Paul who literally like, They'd, he'd asked to get baptized and wanted to go public with the difference that Jesus had made in his life. And we were doing some of the communication with his daughter because of how old he is and, and, and unable to communicate and, and type and things. And, and, and so we, uh, it wasn't super clear until this happened. They, they, they led us to believe that he could get into the water, that he could make the movement out of his wheelchair into the water. And, and as he's as he's kind of getting rolled up towards these steps, he's like, well, I, I can't go up those. And so at the very last minute, we had to have like some of our staff like actually lift this guy up. That's where the video starts. Check out this video. I don't know about you, I could watch that. Oh, he's there in the back. They're pointing at him. Let's give it up for Paul in the back there. And, uh, <laughs> it's, uh... So, People far from God coming into right relationship with God that Jesus couldn't have been clear. This is at the very core of God's heart. And, and, and so we wanna be about those things that are about that. And then, and then the thing Jesus is clear about, young people, children are very close to his heart. And we see here in Mark chapter nine, verse, verse 30, Jesus, it says they left that place, passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was gonna be teaching his disciples. He said, the son of man's gonna be delivered to the hands of men. They'll kill him and after three days, he'll rise. They did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? They kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. This was the argument they were having, like whenever they didn't know what to talk about, that's just where they're gonna go. 
Pretty sure I'm gonna be the vice president of heaven. And then, and then and John says that to Peter, and Peter says, no, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be. And Andrew's like, well, no, I think it's probably. And, and, and it, was there, it was all about who's gonna be the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to him, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. And so it's a, at Life Church, it's, we, we have a, we are unashamed that we're going to go all in to reach the next generation. Statistically in America, 85% of people that ever give their lives to Christ do it before they're 18 years old. And, and Jesus here is saying, there's no greater priority, nothing closer to my heart than, than little children. And so whoever loves a little child in my name welcomes me. And, and so that's, that's why we are so excited to, to encourage people to, to, to serve in our children's ministry. That's why we have Washoe County foster care out there on that table. That's why we have a number of ministries that are all about making a difference in the next generation. Is, is because it's, it, Jesus makes it clear, this is at the very core of what matters to me. And then the third is the poor and the hurting. God's heart for the poor and the broken. In Matthew 25, Jesus just couldn't have been clear. He's talking final judgment talks, and, and, and he basically says, you know, uh, he, he says, whatever you do for one of the least of these, someone that is needy, someone that is in jail, someone that is hungry or thirsty or naked. He says, whatever you didn't do for them, you didn't do it for me. And whatever you did do for them is what you did do for me. Jesus again is saying at the very close to my heart is, is, the, is the poor and the broken. Now listen, Queen Elizabeth was a Christian, super old and super rich. And Jesus loves her. But the consistent teaching of Scripture is that God does have this special place in his heart for people far from him and people that are little children because childhood is, is such a moment that's going to make a set, setting a directional course for someone's life to, for good or for bad and the poor and the hurting and the broken. And, and so as you think, where should I invest my life in focused service? Consider the, the heart of Jesus. Ask God to give you his heart. Here's the second thing. Consider what you are most passionate about. Let me give you a caveat. Consider what are you most passionate about when you are closest to Jesus? Because some of you are most passionate about your boat and your golf game. And so, so consider, when I'm closest to Jesus, what am I most passionate about? And so for, for some of you, that, that might be inner city kids, that you're broken for the inner city, you're broken for, for, for the life that so many these inner city kids have. And, and, and maybe that leads you to, to connect with one of our favorite ministries, Pathfinders, who has a table out there that's just all about inner city kids. Or maybe it leads you to go and volunteer with, with Washoe County Schools and just says, hey, I just wanna come along and just be a reading buddy in an inner city school and for, to help out these kids learn to read. I just wanna be there. And, and just because I'm really passionate about the plight of inner city kids, and so when you're close to Jesus, what are you most passionate about? Here's the third thing to think about. Discover what your church 
and community really need. You might have a great passion to do a thing. Like you want to like, if you, some of you, and I'm just, you might be like passionate to start like a, like a Christian dance troupe. Nothing wrong with it. Some churches do it. 1% of those do it well. Um, and so uh, it's just not something we need. And so, and so, so, that, so if it's like you're passionate to do a thing that we don't need, and you're like, well, that's just what I got to do. Well, no, that's, that's not serving. That's just a hobby. And hobbies aren't bad, but Jesus didn't, you know, it's different. I think you guys get it. Um, so uh, here's the last thing. Use your gifts to make the maximum kingdom impact based on how God has made you. So, so you've asked God, give me your heart. You've considered, when I'm close with Jesus, what am I most passionate about? You, you, you've, you've done your best to understand. Here's the thing. For us with kids ministry, we see kids ministry as our greatest opportunity, and it's also our greatest need. Every single week while, while we're over here, between the two services, there'll be 350 people over in the kids' building. And so for us, we see it as the greatest opportunity. We see it as the closest to Jesus' heart. It's also our greatest need. That's why when you go out to those tables of all the 40 different ministries, the kids' ministry one has a big, giant balloon arch because it's our greatest need. But after you've thought about what, is, what are the greatest needs in my church or community, then you ask, how, how might, based on how God has made me and wired me, the abilities he's given me, the spiritual gifts he's given me, the experiences I've had, what is the path where I might make the biggest impact for his kingdom, the things closest to his heart? It's something that I regularly think about. I've been thinking a lot about these last few months, about based on how God has made me and based on our church's needs, our region's needs, how can I maximize my biggest impact? This is something all of us should be thinking about on a regular basis. And here's the last thing, and I'm gonna talk about it for about a minute. When I serve, my life becomes truly great. They're having this great argument again about who's gonna be the president and vice president of heaven. And verse 25, Jesus called them together. It says, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. It said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Nothing wrong with wanting to be great. It's just how, what is our path? Jesus said, it's through service. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of God did not come to, Son of Man not come to be served, but to serve. See, here's the thing. We were never meant to live for ourselves. Living for yourself is, is a path to a small, meaningless life of discontentment. But, but when I'm serving God through serving others, what it does is it leads to a meaningful and great life. Jesus, if you want to be great, give your life away in service. I love what Paul says in Galatians 5. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. That's something we love to talk about. I'm proud to be an American, or at least I know I'm free. Anybody want to finish the song? All right, very good. 
But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. He says, don't use your freedom to make life all about you. He says, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Hey, I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna dismiss you guys. And I wanna encourage you. You should have received a flyer when you came in. It outlines the different opportunities. I wanna encourage you, take a minute, visit at least a couple of, of the tables. And, and, and here's the thing, you're not signing up to give your life away. You're just saying, hey, I'd like to learn more about this. I'd like, you, I'd like to hear more about what it would look like to serve in this arena. You're not signing up like a lifelong commitment. You're just saying, hey, I'd like to learn more. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you, Lord, we thank you for Jesus who did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life away so that we might become your children, that we might be set free. Set free not just from all these bad things, sin and death and hell and guilt and shame, but set free to all of these good things, these good deeds that you have prepared in advance for us to do. So Lord, I pray these next few minutes, Lord, that you would just bring some divine connections, the first step on some relationships that ultimately will lead to, to, to serving that leads to life change. Lord, I pray that we'd look back a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, on people that took a step towards serving in an area that, that then was a great source of joy for them, a place where they felt your favor, that they were making the biggest possible impact with their lives, and that no, with the knowledge that you are pleased and that you're using them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. And you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.